This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. You can turn to uh, Matthew chapter 7. This is our foundational text. We are ending with this tonight. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to need these, but I might. You know what? Age comes with different things. (laughs) And for me, changing eyesight. And I promise you, I promise, from last week to this week, there's been a change. It has been a change. That's all I can say. I've noticed it. And that's just not, that's not, that's not right. That's not right. But anyway, we are going to get into this word tonight in in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, We're going to start reading at verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged, but with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, uh, you shall be judged in with that, with what measure ye meet it shall shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how would thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet, and turn again and rend you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For for every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or whom, or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits we shall know them. Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. We're going to stop there because I want to try to catch us up to where, we, where we're starting from uh, today. And, and, and I'm just going to back up just a, a tiny, tiny bit so we can, we can flow into uh, what we're going to be teaching on tonight, our new information for tonight. But I wanted to remind you as we were, uh, first of all, remember that, that this whole Sermon on the Mount, it's about the principles that are laid out for each and every one of us. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you're married to. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care if you do in the church, if you don't do in the church. I don't care about anything uh, like that. God does not care about any of that. He has laid out his principles for us, and it's up to each and every individual person to walk it out. 
It's up to each and every individual person to live whatever it is that he has laid out, his will. And we're going to see again what his will is tonight. If you don't know, if you have ever questioned what is the will of God, we're going to see the whole Bible. This, this is his will. But we're going to pull out some things that kind of sum up. It kind of sums up our life and, and, and what we should be doing uh, as it pertains to our day-to-day life. And that is what's most important. It's our day-to-day life. It's not, it's not the beginning how you started. It's not the end. It's not ne- always the end. Well, the end is ultimate, right? But we think the end is, is one thing. But that end is going to be determined by everything that happens in between. Our end It is going to be determined. Your fate is going to be determined. When I say the end, I mean when you close your eyes for the last time. When you take your last breath, you are locked in to the fruit and the evidence and the heart of what you did between the beginning of your life when you were first born up until that point. So the middle, the middle, the middle, it does matter. It does matter. It matters. See, false prophets will have you thinking, well, if you confess the Lord at any point, at any point, if you confess the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Some would have you to believe, if you've done that at least once, that in the end, you are going to receive your salvation, the end of that salvation, the end of that confession, the end of that proclamation. And they will have you to believe that it does not matter what happens in between. As long as you confess once the Lord Jesus Christ, that when you die, that you are safe. God does not teach that. Jesus does not teach that. And who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the I am? Or are you going to believe the lying tongue of a false teacher. I don't care how good they look in their suits. I don't care how good they look when they're driving their cars. I don't care how many members they have in their church. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how big their bank accounts are. I don't care. God does not care about any of that. What he is concerned about is the word, it's the doctrine that you are receiving. And he's concerned about the doctrine and the word that they are preaching. That's what he's concerned about. You're only concerned about what they're driving and what kind of money that they have and how many people in it. That's your concern. That is not God's concern. And just because they have those things, it does not make them any closer to God than you. As a matter of fact, you might even be closer to God than they are. And when I say that, I mean because if you know the word of God, If you have the word of God and you believe the word of God and you're putting forth your effort to live and walk this out. What Jesus said, the great I am, what he has laid out for us. Then I will say that you are closer to God. If they are preaching and teaching anything else, then is not found in this word. So we talked about the fruit. We started talking about the fruit. I said that there are several meanings of fruit. 
You have the fruit of your loins and you have uh, the fruit of the spirit that's produced when the, the spirit of the living God comes to live inside of you. So that, the, though, uh, that fruit people can eat from, they can glean from, they can eat from. And then I said that the latter, and there are other, there are other fruits, but these are just the three that I, I, I pointed out. Now I said, then there's the fruit of your doctrine. That is the fruit that is produced as a result of your work. It's the fruit that is produced as a result of your work, meaning work, meaning things that you teach, the way that you live your life, because we live our lives based on what we believe. So all of those things, those are the fruit of the doctrine that we have, that we that we possess, that's in our hearts, that we teach, that we preach. And those things are made manifest through what we do, what we have in our hearts, the doctrine, what we believe in our hearts. It is manifested through what we do and what it's manifested through what we say and what we do, <laughs> what we say and what we do. But most importantly, because I said you can confess. But if you don't have any corresponding action to go with what you said, do you really believe? So the fruit of your doctrine, what you believe in your heart will be revealed. It will be exposed. It will be exemplified in what you say. But most effectively, did you catch that word? We don't use the words just, just, just by happenstance. I said that the doctrine the fruit of your doctrine, what you believe in your heart, it will be revealed. It will be exposed. It will be exemplified in what you say, but most effectively in what you do. Most effectively. Because again, what we say is one thing, but what we do, what we do is most important. Because that is what, that, that shows, you can, we can say anything, but what you do. That will show what's in your heart. You know, we all, we all can have a good talking game. We can all have a good talking game. You know, people, they, they play sports. You know, they talk all the, at the beginning of the game, before the game. You know, like weeks and months before the game. Listen, even a year before the game. I could have, we played you last year. We lost. But right, but I'm telling you, we coming for you. It's gonna, it's gonna be over next year. I mean, we, we start talking a good game way in advance. <laughs> but what happens at game day? That's what really matters. <laughs> I don't care what you said last year. I don't care what you said before, right before the game. But what you do on that field, what you do on that field, it's going to say it all. It's going to say it all. You know what? So it's best, it's best for you not to even say anything. That's what's best. Just don't even say anything. Just do. Let your words speak for you. Your words. It's going to speak for you. How you practice. How you sacrifice all those donuts and, and what, whatever you do to be sure you keep in shape and be, all the practicing, all the, all of that is gonna show on game day. So it is with us. So it is with us. We can say this, we can say we have faith, we can say that we believe, we can say we love, we can say, we can say all of that. But on game day, when it comes down to the wire, when something needs to happen, what are you bringing? Are you showing up? (laughs) Are you showing up? That's that. So the fruit of the doctrine that one teaches will determine the affection. And that's why that's what I was saying, that you, we cannot take it lightly. Ministers standing before people cannot take it lightly because the fruit of the doctrine that one teaches, it will determine the affections and the practices of those that hear and embrace whatever it is that they're putting out. It's important. 
It's important. And, and you know, and I, and I, even my, 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 my current, our current pastor, my current pastor, my founding pastor, I can appreciate the fact that they, that, that's one thing. Those are things that, that they, that they harp on. Those are the things that they stand firm in. We are ministering to God's people. I can appreciate that they keep that at the forefront of their minds when they stand before us. That I am ministering to God's people. We don't ever want to give them a sense of hope. We don't want to ever give them any doctrine that's that's outside of the apostles' doctrine. And that's why we always say that this is a safe place. That this is what you need to say in a safe place. Well, your pastor cares about what you hear. (laughs) You didn't catch that. You need to stay in a place where your pastor cares about what you hear. Not only should you be watching out for your soul, but understand that your pastor's watching out for your soul. Your pastor is watching out for your soul. And we run from it. And we neglect it. And we make light of it. If the doctrine is of God, the apostles' doctrine, it will promote serious devotion to God. If the doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, if the doctrine that you're teaching, if the doctrine that you're hearing is based on the apostles' doctrine, it will promote serious devotion to God. It will promote humility. It will promote righteousness. It will promote holiness. It will promote a love for God and a love for God's people. We said that's the straight. That's the narrow way. Righteousness. Holiness. Love for God and love for God's people. Humility. That's a straight and a narrow way. But if the doctrine is not of God, If the doctrine is of the devil, it will promote pride and arrogance, worldliness, loose and careless conversations and actions. Loose and careless conversation and actions. It will cause the hearers, the hearers to embrace injustice. It will cause the hearers to be embracers and to be uncharitable. It will cause them to be unjust. It will cause them to be disturbers of peace. It will cause them to be contentious. These are all things. If the doctrine is not of God, it will cause all of those things. So again, when you hear a pastor a minister saying different things. Look at the fruit that it is bearing, the fruit that it's producing. Is it producing arrogance? Is it producing pride? What is it producing? Is it causing the hearers to be unjust? Unjustified when they think they think that they're going to heaven when they're on a a path they're on that wide path that leads to destruction and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. It causes those to embrace the doctrine that embraces that type of doctrine to be carnal in their thinking. To think carnally. As I said, to think worldly. And that's why I said, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong. And I said, I said this uh, part of this, what I said last week. It's okay. It's nothing wrong with wanting to be an entrepreneur. It's nothing wrong to, to have your own business. and want, want, It's nothing wrong with that. But when you have, I mean, it's almost as if everybody in that local church that's that's I mean that's what they have their minds on, because they have this this, and I and I think it's it streams from these ministries. So we have these we have pastors who have these different ministries, 
pastors with different ministries that are tied to, not tied to the church, that they're pastoring. But because either either they feel like they're not getting enough income from whatever they should be making, earning, given from, from, from the church, because the church should take care of their pastors. So either they don't feel like they're getting enough, or they're just being greedy. I, yeah, I got this, but I want this too. When your life is consumed with, when the, when the doctrine that you teach, when what you're teaching, is, and, you, and you see that's promoting, when you go to business, and you see that's promotion in the church. Own your own. God wants you to own your own. So into this ministry... For the benefit of your own ministry, your own company, your own whatever that you need, that you want to start. You have, you have a vision. <laughs> you got a vision. God has given you a vision. He's told you, you know, all these plans that you want to lay. So into this so that this can come to fruition. Those are things that are being taught in the church. When the church, the local body, it is set up for the ministering to the hearts of the people so their souls can be saved in the end. Having a business is not going to save your soul in the end. The doctrine that you hear and embrace, it must be tested. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. And I spent too much time on that. But somebody must have needed to hear it. First Thessalonians 5. Let's read verse 20. And 21. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. So here Paul is saying to, uh, to the church at Thessalonica, not to esteem lightly the teachings. Don't, don't, don't esteem the, the teachings lightly. Or make them no account the teachings that, that you hear. But you need to prove and you need to test and you need to examine all things that you hear. You hold fast. Hold fast to that which is good. You keep it. You secure it. You take it firmly. You possess it firmly. That which is good. The rest of that junk you throw away. But you have to be able to test what you hear before you embrace it. Test what you hear. Prove what you hear by the scripture. Test it out. Examine it before you take it, before you embrace it. Jude chapter 1. And after this we're going to run. Jude chapter 1. It's only one chapter. We're going to read, start reading at verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you, of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith 
which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept on in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is right there. He says, he, he, he is saying, he, this is you, he is writing to those who have been sanctified by God. They've been sanctified. Just like, just like the, the children of the Israelites. They were brought out of the land of Egypt. They have been sanctified. Just as we are when we accept Christ. We've been sanctified by God. The Father. And we are preserved in Jesus Christ. He says that there is a common salvation. What you heard from the beginning. The Apostles' Doctrine. What you heard from the beginning. The truth that you heard from the beginning. He says he was exhorting them in that. I'm exhorting you in the common salvation. What you heard from the beginning. That you would earnestly contend. That you would sincerely contend for the faith. What does that mean? Hold on to it. I'm holding on to that. Contending for the faith. I'm fighting for the faith. We fight the good fight of faith. What is that? Holding on to the truth. That's fighting the good fight. He's saying you need to contend for the faith. Hold on to it. Fight for it. Fight to keep it. Fight to remember it. Fight to hold it in your heart. Fight to do it. That's what he's saying. Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto you. He was saying... Those things which had been taught and preached, you can go back and look it up. You can go back and refer to it. I'm saying the same things because there are those who come among you. I need to fortify you. I need to bring to your remembrance. I need to let's recall some things. Because there will be those that come in unawares. Turn back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So here he's saying that a profession of Christ alone will not make one fit and prepared for the kingdom of heaven. Unless there is a corresponding walk. Because listen, we're supposed to call upon the name of the Lord. And John, we're not going to turn there, but you can write it down. John chapter 13, verse 13. I'm going to quote it to you. John 13 and 13. It says that ye call me master and Lord. Jesus talking. And ye say, well, for I am. (laughs) He says, ye say, well, I am. I am. I am Lord and I am master. I am Lord and I am master. And this is very significant. I love this is very significant. Tie this into what you've been hearing on in, in family life. Because he said that it's significant because he was saying that as he was washing the feet of the disciples. <laughs> oh, you gotta love him. He was washing the feet in that process of washing the feet of the disciples. When he says, yes, I am, I am the master and I am Lord, but I am you, I am washing your feet. I'm serving you. 
Tie that in to what you heard. Who are you to talk about somebody's stinky feet? You didn't hear Jesus talking about the stinky feet. He just did what he did. And let me tell you, let me, let me just, 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 just let me throw this in just for a minute. They were washing feet generally because their feet get dirty, right? You're walking with the sandals and your feet get dirty. You don't want to bring that into the house. So he was really doing some servant work. I mean, that was some really servant work. You got people. You know, I guess depending on what you had and what you, you know, I guess... And, and, and I'm sure that, I'm sure that you know the, the mothers wash feet. I'm sure that that the, the fathers wash the feet. But then you have Jesus, the Great I Am, <laughs> washing feet. Jesus is saying in this scripture, out of all that call me Lord, not all will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes on to give the criteria for entering in. And that is to do the will of the Father. If you are calling on the name of the Lord, but you're not doing the will of the Father, you will not enter into heaven. I didn't. This is what the scripture is telling us. The scripture, the great I am. He is telling us this. You got to do the will of the Father. For this reason, most, for this, we must be aware of the false prophets because they come in the name of the Lord. They speak in the name of the Lord. They do in the name of the Lord. But remember that they come in sheep's clothing. They come in sheep's clothing, meaning that they are among the people of God. Those that have confessed Jesus as Lord, and they cannot, sometimes you, they cannot be distinguishable. Again, by what they, how they look. You can't, you can't always, do, looks can be deceiving. And that's why we are called to examine the doctrine being taught, and that's why we are called to examine the fruit of the men or the women who are teaching. We must also examine our own lives. We must also examine our own lives. The scripture tells us to take heed lest we fall. Take heed lest we fall. If we are pursuing the will of the Father, if we are pursuing the will of the Father, it is manifest. It will be manifested through us. You will be able to see it. You will be able to see the fruit of it. James chapter 1. Keep your ribbon there in Matthew. But go to James chapter 1. And let's look at verse 22. James 1. Verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He said, you hear the word, but you're not doing it. It's like a man who sees himself. So we know that, the, that, that when the word goes forth, it is a mirror because it's a standard of God. And it's uh, placed in front of us. And then we look into that word and then we see our shortcomings. We see that, that, that what's in that mirror does not reflect what that word says. We can see our flaws. They become magnified. We can see our flaws. We hear the word. Some of us hear the word. We say it's good. Then we leave church and we don't apply it. 
Then there are those who hear the word, they say it's good, and they say it's for somebody else. The will of the Father is laid out. The will of the Father, it is laid out from the beginning of Jesus' sermon on the mount. Let's quickly, quickly go, go back to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to run through this quickly. Matthew chapter 5. First, God's will. So I say we're going to hear, uh, see the will of God again tonight. His will first is that we produce fruit in our own lives. That we produce fruit. And we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, temperance. He, we, we, are, we are to have those things produced in our lives. But secondly, here in Matthew chapter 5, he is some of the principles of a child of God. Principles. So let's review these principles. And stay with me because I am going to jump around here. Verse 2. Verse 3, I'm sorry. Blessed are the poor in spirit. So he's saying the proper attitude for ourselves, we must be poor in spirit. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek. So we are supposed to be meek. Again, the proper attitude that we must have for ourselves. Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful. Again, an attitude, the proper attitude that we must have for ourselves. These are things that are laid out by God. This is the will. (laughs) Again, you want to know the will of God. He wills that you be poor in spirit. He wills that you be meek. He wills that you be merciful. Jump down to verse 9. He wills that you be a peacemaker. That's his will. Then he goes on to to tell us and he addresses our mission. Our mission. This is the will concerning our mission. Verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. That's our mission. That is our mission. Part of our mission is that. Is that we are salt. That means that we are the preserving influence in a corrupt society. That's part of your mission. That you are... The preserver, you're preser- a preserving influence as the salt. You are preserving influence in a corrupt society. Verse 14, ye are the light of the world. So you are to bring light, you are to be light shining in the darkness. That's your mission, to be salt and to be light. Then he addresses our attitude regarding the laws of the Father. Verses 17 through 48. And we're not going to read that, but verses 17 through 48. He talked about, uh, about, him, uh, uh, not, about, about him fulfilling the laws, fulfilling what is being said, not taking anything away, but keeping the spirit. He talked about keeping the spirit of the word that we hear. Keeping the spirit, not the letter, not as the Pharisees, not as the scribe. He says to keep the spirit of the law. Verses 17 through 48. So he was addressing our attitude regarding the laws of the Father. And then he addressed our attitude regarding righteous deeds in chapter 6, starting in chapter 6. Our attitude towards righteous deeds. Verses 1 through 18. Having the proper motive and not doing things for your own glory. Not doing things for your glory, but for the glory of God. Doing the right things with the right motive. Because you can be doing the right things with the wrong motive. And it not be effective. Our attitude towards righteous deeds, regarding our righteous deeds. That's the attitude that we're supposed to have. Doing things to promote God, not to promote ourselves. Then in verses 19 through 24 in chapter 6, he's addressing our heart towards earthly treasures. Again, all of this is the will of the Father. The will of the Father. He's addressing our earthly treasures. 
He's causing us to examine our affections and what we value the most. That's his will. Is that you examine in your heart. You need to examine where your affections lie. You need to examine what you value the most. That's the will of the Father. Why? Because then... In verses 25 and 34, he addresses our dependency upon God the Father. He addresses our dependency. If he takes care of creation, how much more will he take care of us who are his children? He addresses our faith. He's addressing our faith now. That's his will, is that you address your faith. You keep an eye on your faith. You keep a watch on your faith. Trusting in his loving care for you. He wants to be your father. That's his will. He had children. He did all that he did in the garden because he wanted to have children. He wanted to reconcile us back to him because he wanted to have children. That is his will. For us to be dependent on him as a father. That's his will. Our attitude towards others, to be careful, starting in verse in chapter 7. Then he addresses our attitude towards others, to be careful not to judge others, because it is setting the tone and the standard for how we will be judged. That's God's will. <laughs> That's God's will. Our, 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 how we, how we uh, communicate, how we uh, interact with others. That is a part of God's will. No man is an idol. He didn't place us here. Separately. It's the body of Christ. And the body is made up of many parts. Not just you. So it's important how we communicate. It's important how we interact with others. Now we're at this point of examining. Mm, 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 mm. We are at this point of examining. Am I doing the will of the Father? Now this is the point that we're at. As we are faced with, as we have been faced with the mirror, the word that is going for, and I'm talking about the whole sermon on the mouth. We just talked about the will. As we we have been faced with that, that mirror, the mirror has been dropped down from week to week. Since January the 6th. From week to week. From month to month. As the word has come down as a mirror. Have you become the word? Have you become the word? Is it evident? Is it fruit? Is it evident that you have taken the word, that you've embraced it? Or have you been hearing the word, seeing your reflection in the mirror, walking away and not doing anything about it? Just going on, carrying on, as if nothing was wrong. As if God didn't show you you. You listening for somebody else. Oh, that was a good word for sister so-and-so. I hope she was tuning in. Oh, I hope she'd catch it later if she wasn't tuning in. Jesus is teaching the importance of hearing and obeying through the parable of a house of house builders in, in, in Matthew seven twenty four. Matthew seven twenty four. Therefore whosoever heareth these things, and he's talking about all these things again, all the way from the very beginning of teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus is teaching the importance of hearing and obeying through this parable of house builders. First, what is the foundation of your house that you're building upon? 
You don't want to wait until the day of judgment and you hear the words, I never knew you. You don't want to wait until the day of judgment or you don't want to wait until the wolves devour you to find out that what you've been hearing and doing has come from someone who's been clothed in sheep's clothing after the devour has happened. Every house begins with a foundation and the strength of the whole structure depends on the foundation. It depends on the foundation. In some cases, you need to examine your foundation. That what you are building your house on, that means how you are structuring your life, is it built upon the rock? Is it built upon the rock. In other cases, if you know that that's true, you, you, you have your house, you're building it upon the rock, you need to protect that foundation. You need to protect it. In, in other cases, the foundation is secure, but you need to continue building the walls in alignment with the foundation. Don't let go of that foundation. It's nothing. Think about this. If you just have a natural foundation, you have this concrete slab, you start to build walls around this concrete slab. But you decide, oh, that foundation, that piece, I should have, I should have, it should have been an inch or two longer. Then you're going to try to build something an inch or two longer than that foundation. I'm, I'm adding on. I, that, that's what you call it. I'm, I'm adding on. <laughs> I'm adding on. So you add on, and that add on is, is, is not going to be stable. It won't be stable. Your hope, the foundation is Jesus Christ and Him alone. He is the rock. Of our salvation. Psalms 95 and 1. Don't go there. Just write it down. Psalms 95 and 1. Oh, come let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Your hope in entering the kingdom of God. Again, remember everything that we've talking about. What, what, what I'm asking? I'm asking, are you in the wheel? The wheel. The wheel that we've just laid out. Your hope in entering the kingdom of heaven cannot be in your church attendance. Your baptism as a child, it can't be, your baptism as a child, even if you were baptized as an adult, it cannot be in that. Your hope in entering the kingdom of heaven, it cannot be in you doing tithes and offerings, you giving tithes and offerings. Your work in the ministry, or your ministry work outside of the building. Neither one. Your hope of entering the kingdom cannot be based on false teachings and lies of what God will accept. False teachings and lies of what he will, or what is acceptable to him. They will teach you that. All those things are sand. All of those things, it's sand. They are not stable enough. They are not stable enough to give you access to the throne of grace. You hear that? That those things alone, it is not, they are not stable enough to give you access. If your hope is not in Jesus, if your hope is not in Jesus doing any of those things, those things will not be stable enough to give you access to the throne of grace. Nor will it be enough in the end. It will not be enough in the end. Our hope can only be built on nothing less. <laughs> You, you know, if you're Baptist, you know, you know that oh, so my hope is built on nothing less. <laughs> Can I be built on nothing less than Jesus? The rock. Jesus. That's the only way. First Corinthians chapter ten. Jesus is comparing these two men building their houses in the same they're building it in the same neighborhood. Listen, building in the same neighborhood under the same teaching. One hears the word and does it. The other hears the word and don't do it. First Corinthians chapter 10. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And then it goes on to talk about some of the things that they were doing. Fornication is one of them. Remember, tie this back in. In, in verse 8, talks about fornication. Tie this back into what you heard Sunday morning. Fornication is not just about a sexual act. <laughs> it's about anything, any pleasures that you put before the living God. Anything you set your affections to, your heart to, that takes you away. You have an adversary. Temptations will come. Earthly challenges will arise. Natural disasters will occur. The process of life will happen. Just things that will happen naturally in life. You will have disappointments. You will experience hurt. Those are the floods. Those are the winds that will beat upon your house. And the question is, will you be able to stand? Will you be able? Can you continue to stand? And most importantly, will you be found standing at the very end? But remember I told you, that result of that, things that happen in between, things that happen now until that time, It matters. That's where the continuing to stand comes in. You can't let the you can't let it let let the things beat you down now. You can't let those things beat you down now and then think you're gonna be standing in the end. It's not going to happen. But when they do get up, you have to continue to stand. You have to continue. You have to fight the good fight of faith. Verses 28 through 29. Go back to Matthew chapter 7. Come hook or crook. No, we did not dig as deep as we could have. But I told you we weren't weren't concerned necessarily about finishing because you can never exhaust God's word. You can never do that. We can spend oh, a whole lot of more time. Verse 28 and 29. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Why did they say that? Because the scribes, when they made statements, when they, you know, they said what they, they wanted, they needed somebody, someone in authority. They needed somebody else to help credential them, if you will, to fortify, to uh, approve of what they were saying. But here we have the great I am. We have the great I am. And again, you have to go back. So Jesus' words, they are self-authenticating. Self-authenticating. They are self-validating. They are self-confirming the words of God, the words of Jesus. There is no other authority higher. There is none higher that can offer credibility. Who are you going to get? To confirm what you say. Who? Who is Jesus going to get to confirm what he says? But God, his father. 
who he came from. God sent him. <laughs> he sent him. That's confirmation enough right there that he was sent by God the Father. Go back and recollect. Remember the series on the, the very first beginning, starting January the 6th, nine months ago. Remember who he is. He is the son of David. He is the promised seed of Abraham. He is the king. He is the one sent from heaven by the Father. He is part of the Godhead. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. He's part of the Godhead. He was here, and like my founding pastor used to say, He was before start. This is the one who's been teaching us for nine months on this particular topic. He is the one that teaches us on Sunday morning for family life. He is the one that teaches us on Sunday morning, 10 a.m. service, Wednesday night services, women of covenant, men of integrity, YWC, next gen. He is the same God. The one and only authority. Sent down from glory. The bread of life. Our source. All you found doing his will. He's laid it out for us. Blessed are those who hear and do. Not just hear. Blessed are those who hear and do the word of God. You got to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And our pastor has already given us a challenge to just go back and consider, think about, consider, look at all of the messages, everything that we've been hearing over the past year. Almost a year. In just a few more months, we're going to be done. And I just, I mean, all I did tonight was kind of help you review and go back over what we started nine months ago. Just in Wednesday night service. The summation of the matter. God has spoken it. Will you hear it? Will you do it? That is the question. So that you can inherit the kingdom of heaven. And not just the kingdom of heaven to come. Meaning entering into eternal life. But the kingdom of heaven right now. That place of provision from God. That place of protection by God. That place of peace. That place of security. That place of experiencing all that he has for you. That's the place. And you will only do that by obeying the word. Those who hear, he's already said it, those who hear, I would liken to wise men, who hear and do, I liken it to a wise builder. Guess what? You're not through building. You are not through building. We know that we are not through building. We are wall builders. Working our way to establishment. Working our way. To establishment. So we got work to do. And we can only do that if we're hearers and doers of the word. And then we will eat the good of the land. And God is faithful. Stand to your feet.
This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.